TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 466, and I'm Livia, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, this is Tom. I'm professor of communication and media at Palm Beach Atlantic University in West Palm Beach, Florida. <laughs> Congratulations. It is... so- that sounded weird. Sorry. Congratulations. And this is Allison, and I'm still stuck here in California <laughs> writing reviews for Weedonopolis. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, let's start off with the news. I have that Love, Victor has been renewed. Uh, I can't read my own handwriting. At Hulu. Thank For you. For season two by Hulu. Thank you. That's what I was trying to see. It said Hulu. Uh, Ellie Fanning is the star in uh, Girl from Plainsville, also at Hulu. So I guess she's going to balance that with season two of The Great. Um, League of Their Own is getting a reboot at Amazon. Uh, High Fidelity has been canceled at Hulu. Siren has been canceled at Freeform. Uh, Thomas Jane is to star in an Australian drama called Tropo. I don't know what that means. Mm. Who's the Boss is getting a sequel at Sony. I don't well, know why would he, I was like, why, what is a sequel to Who's the Boss? But and I mean, after all this time, is this the kids? Like, I don't, never mind. I don't even want to. Now, know. who's the boss? It's <laughs> Alyssa Milano. It's Alyssa Milano as a divorcee, as a single mom with kids, and daddy's living with them. Uh, <laughs> okay. Other cast members TBD. Are you serious? That's what you know? Yeah. Oh, that still sounds uh, terrible. Yeah, uh, Tony Dance and Alyssa Milano have a deal. Um, if they can, they might try to get uh, Judith Light and Danny Pintaro back. In some kind of capacity. Ugh. All right, Tom, you have news. Uh, ABC has announced the Good Doctor season four premiere will have a coronavirus storyline. Just what everybody wants. Like, the infections and deaths in the real world aren't enough. ABC Studios has extended their overall deal with Kerry Washington. Uh, Amazon has ordered Hunter's season two and has set Lizzo for a first look deal for television. Apple TV Plus has given a series order to... Team Downey, Robert Downey and his wife, for a drama based on Michael Lista's Toronto Life article, The Sting, about a frustrated detective who reopens a cold case to win a confession and become a hero. CBS All Access has ordered a workplace sitcom called Remote from office producers Paul Lieberstein, who played Toby, and Ben Silverman, which is going to be a remote workplace comedy. Comedy Central has ordered a reboot of Ren and Stimpy. Disney Plus has surpassed 60.5 million subscribers in just nine months, and Mulan is going to premiere September 4th for $29.95 premium video on demand via Disney Plus. They claim it's not intended as a test run. And if you believe that, I've got some Everglades swamp water that's (laughs) free of crocodiles. It's too Uh, steep, man. Can we just talk about this for a second? Yes. I, it, it works if you have a house full of children. Uh, sure, thirty bucks for you and your house full of kids. I can see that. Yes, that's cheaper than going to the theater. But 
for the people who are isolated in their homes by themselves, 30 bucks is way too high for yeah. me. And then they were like, well, you'll own it. How many times am I going to watch this movie? And, but not only will I not really own it, because I only own it as long as I have Disney+. Plus. The second I lose my Disney Plus subscription, Mulan goes away. That's not mm-hmm. owning it. So, no. In protest, I will not be paying $30 for Mulan. But if you invite one person over, it's like $15 a person. It is a coronavirus. Co- <laughs> what are you talking about? That's the I, thing. It's not like we can some, have you know some, a Mulan party and invite yeah, everybody over. If you have it's, it's a small happen. you know circle of friends, like what is it, less than ten? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not inviting anybody to my house. It doesn't I'm need to be like have... one of your famous parties, Livia. It could I'm be a, not... a smaller, more intimate gathering. No, I'm not inviting. I have not since this thing has started. No one has come in my house. Exactly. Okay. Um, E has canceled E News after three decades, along with two other entertainment news shows, because their headquarters has relocated from New York to Hollywood, and they're going a different direction. HBO Max has delayed the Friends reunion special again, again. because the executives want a live studio audience. Warner Media, by the way, paid over $400 billion for exclusive streaming rights outbidding Netflix. Um, Selena Gomez has been cast in Only Murders in the Building on Hulu, which is Steve Martin and Martin Short's sitcom. Lionsgate is going to release Antebellum to premium video demand on September 18th. Netflix has ordered two seasons of a Splinter Cell animated series from Derek Kolstad, who created John Wick. I, I taught his wife, Sonia, back in my APU days. Uh, a decade ago. They've also announced The Witcher, Blood Origin, an animated prequel series, and Amy Adams and Adam McKay are teaming up for Kings of America, a limited series about the Walmart class action lawsuit. Uh, Spotify has set the Duplass Brothers for exclusive podcast development deal. Hey, Libya, maybe you should get a podcast development deal. (laughs) (laughs) And Stars has renewed P-Valley for season two. And the big news for last week with the Emmy nominations, here are some highlights. Netflix received 160, 160, most ever for any network. HBO was a runner-up with 107. NBC was a distant third with 47. ABC was fourth with 36. Uh, Disney Plus made history with Mandalorian. Mandalorian earned a Best Drama nod and 14 more nominations. First time an inaugural streamer has gotten a Best Drama nomination. Watchmen got 26 nominations for limited series Mrs. Basil 20 for comedy Ozark and Succession tied with 18 apiece for drama and 34.3% of acting nominees were black which is kind of cool I'm not sure how I feel about The Mandalorian being nominated for best drama uh, mainly because of all the sci-fi shows that we've had The Mandalorian has not been the best or even really close to the best so, never underestimate the power of the mouse to sway awards. Well, let's move on. Let's start talking about the shows. Uh, first up, we're going to talk about Perry Mason, and you have two episodes to discuss as quickly as possible. Um, but I know, I mean, the last time you guys were talking about it, you were not as thrilled with the direction that Perry Mason was going about how he was going to start working in the courtroom that he kind of sort of cheated and did a really well, Della, weird... Della, Della forged a document and then basically got Hamilton Berger, who becomes his nemesis, 
in the classic series got Hamilton Berger to prep him for the bar. Right. So that seemed cheesy. It's it, it's very cheesy. Although I do love who they cast as Hamilton Berger. Um, oh, from uh, Angels in America and uh, Weeds. So what did you think of the next the next episode or two? I still have issues with uh, how they made him a lawyer that still, you know, rankles. But how they handled it afterward, I think, kind of made up for it a little bit. Because (laughs) when they first put him in the courtroom, it's a disaster. He sucks. It's, oh my God. I mean, literally, my hands were going over my face. I was (laughs) trying not to watch. It was so terrible. It was like, I, I, I was feeling, I was... I was cringing while I was watching it, but it was appropriate because he really doesn't know what he's doing. Um, and, you know, the fact that he's, he can make pretty speeches when he's not in a courtroom doesn't tra- necessarily translate to being a great lawyer so or knowing anything about the law. And they, they handle that. And he, he there is like an evolution in the last two episodes um, of how he goes from, from really not knowing what he's doing to finally really just buckling down and saying I have somebody's life in my hands I need uh-huh. to take this seriously and he he, you know really puts himself to it and and his character evolves tremendously so that by by the last episode that we saw you know he may not be like the world's greatest lawyer but he's a competent attorney at this point he's and and with signs of being really brilliant that ta- that that come from his experience as an investigator because he knows how to go looking for for that information um so i think that i uh, what they did in the last two episodes kind of makes up for for what i still think is was a wrong turn um but but you know they they validated themselves i think and also, they're using the supporting characters. They're really coming into their own. We've got uh, Della Street and Paul Drake both finally coming together as part of his team. And uh, I liked seeing that. My favorite moment in probably the two episodes was when Drake is on the stand and Perry has said he's not going to bring up this evidence Drake gave him. Mm-hmm. And he's tempted to, and Drake kind of wants him to because he's mad at you know, being used by corrupt cops, but he doesn't. He keeps his word, and and the two of them have a moment afterwards. He says, "I'm going to help you." Yeah, <laughs> you know. So yeah, it, it is kind of interesting to see this cast show. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with season two, especially. You know, I guess they're expecting us to forget about how he starts practicing law <laughs> and just get to the good cases. I was surprised that they revealed so quickly what really happened to the baby. That was heartbreaking. Yeah, that, I mean, that uh, was. They had uh, they had a um, an, uh, a Chinese woman who was an opium junkie as a wet nurse, and that's basically what killed the baby. Yeah, by and every, uh, feeding him, and everything else was to cover their tracks. And you know, the mother had nothing to do with it. It was the corrupt cop and all his people, which is why you know everybody associated ends up dead. Qu- but no, it's it's how many episodes so, are left? Just one. Just this one. Finale tonight. You might want to give it a try. The last, I would say, Libby, check out the last three because we're really more courtroom based. So am I going to miss anything if I don't watch? Because I only watched the just, first ju- three. Just watch the previously on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And see if I feel like I'm lost. All right. I don't think you will be. 
That doesn't say a lot for the show, but okay. I mean, I, I think that, that both parties... It's a character drama. Well, it is very much a character drama. And the thing is, I like the stuff that was leading up to that. The only thing that I have a problem with was how they transitioned, because I think they could have done a better job. Um, mm-hmm. It was too abrupt. And, and too, too contrived. To too contrived. Um, I, I, I think it, you know, all they had to do was was lay some groundwork and say, look, he'd been studying law beforehand mm-hmm. and you know got sidetracked. And that, that would have made me go, okay, I can believe this. And, and that's really would have been so minor to do. And, and they didn't. And, but you have to kind of jump from one bit to the other. I think both, it's almost like watching two different shows, kind of, um, and with this one problem part between them, the bridging them. Uh, but you have to take each part, I think, separately. And, and, and they work separately, I think. And it's right. got such a great supporting cast. Oh, Let's wow. Wrap this up. Let's wrap this up. So are you guys saying the last two episodes are thumbs up? Definitely. Oh, yeah. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about The Order. And we're going to talk, we're going to wrap The Order up with the last episodes, 9 and 10. And I have to say, overall, season two has just been kind of okay. I mean, I like season one a lot better, I think, than season two. Mainly because, what is her name? Alyssa. Alyssa, thank you. You knew exactly what I was talking about, too. I know. Just the contrivance of trying to make her the bad guy. And they went through a lot this season to go through hoops to make it seem almost feasible, but it didn't work. Like, I don't buy it. And the, the fact that everything that happens in the last few episodes lay on her being so far out of character that you don't even recognize her anymore. I'm like, why didn't they just make a new character? Why didn't they just have somebody else be this person? Or even even if it was Gabrielle, I would have bought it. But to have it be <laughs> Alyssa, it doesn't work. And then I, I do have to say, I do like Gabriella's journey, that now she's a werewolf. I think that could be interesting. But what they did with Alyssa is not interesting at all. And the way they ended it was just annoying. And so I'm, I'm not a fan of season two of The Order, I'd say, overall. Uh, your thoughts, guys? I didn't mind it because it kind of reminded me of uh, basically a streamlined, I don't want to say dumbed down, but <laughs> I just did. Right. Um, the whole notion of magic being a drug and she was addicted and the fact that something was messing with it drove her to extremes. But I can agree with you that, you know, it could be considered a form of character assassination because they they knew what path they wanted to put her on. I never really got the feeling that she was the quote-unquote big bad per se. She was more like a, a little, you know, she was A little bad-ish. bad? <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, they, but the, the things that they had her do and her switching her allegiance so abruptly just didn't work for me. I didn't buy it. It made her character look really shallow and kind of stupid, yes, actually. Because exactly. it seemed like the, the, she would believe anything that the character in front of her was telling her. And as soon as she walked into into another situation and some other character was talking to her, she'd believe that, too. Even though she'd just spent, like, the entire past two seasons um working in the opposite direction. Suddenly all it takes is like a conversation over wine and risotto to change her mind completely. 
and and it just it it didn't work. It it it, it actually made me loathe the character, and it, it, I shouldn't be feeling like that about this particular person. I I had a problem with this with this season altogether simply because I think it had a really hard time tying up all the the various ends. It's like they'd start with an idea and then they'd drop it, and even though they picked up things at the end and said okay this is how they tie together it was like okay that's great for the very last episode but I I had to wonder what all of this was taking up time for for like first the first three episodes or the middle two um, until I finally got to the end to go oh oh that's how they work um, it just it just felt disjointed it didn't think, flow as well I think it would have been stronger if the big bad had always been the you know the, the notion of the magical tourists and then you have the professor who seemed to be the big bad right. and the reveal that the the uh, the person working for him was the big bad right. i think that, that would have worked yeah and if mm-hmm. you needed to get a list of cotton the crossfire or whatever fine but by trying to they just kind of weird yeah it felt disjointed toward the end especially yep. it's, yeah i agree so when it ended like, i was just like oh thank god i'm done with this not like <laughs> It wasn't the end of the season, and it wasn't the way you want to end the season. I'm not excited about next season at all. Um, I really don't care. Like they've managed all the goodwill that they got from season one, they they trashed it in season two. Well, I like <clears throat> I like having Lilith. Is it Lilith? Mm-hmm. Back? Yeah, yeah. I like having Lilith back. I I thought they kept her out so too too long. Correct. Yeah, I agree with that. She was one of that. my favorite. She was one of my favorite parts of season one. And it's like, really? Really? Come on. I mean, there's thing, the thing I enjoy, I like the cast, and I like the relationships. I like the relationships between the knights. I like the relationship... <laughs> I, like, I like the relationship between Veer and Hamish. <laughs> Somebody's hot for teacher. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it just didn't quite... It, it felt a little disjointed compared to season one. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. I'm, I mean, I'm not... I, I am hopeful for season three that they get back on their feet again because I liked season one so much yep you know, that's that's pretty much my feelings about it mm. I, I'm it's not that I'm not gonna check it out I, I'm not gonna lie and say <laughs> I'm not checking out season three no that that would be false I would check out season three to see what the plan is for that season and uh, so overall, I'm still giving this one a sideways thumb. It's not a down, but it's not an up either. Sideways. Yeah. yeah. I still maintain if when they're if they need to cast a young Kirk for Strange New Worlds, Jake Manley's the dude. Yeah, I can see he's got the charm. <laughs> I can see that. Right age range, right charm. I'm not gonna yeah. disagree with you on that. All right, let's move on. Next up, we're gonna talk about Warrior Nun. And I want Tom to start off this discussion mainly because you've been behind on Warrior Nun. You haven't been involved in a lot of our discussion about it. And so I want to know what you think about... I just the... missed one discussion. I'm just saying. You had a lot of catch-up to do. <laughs> I, I binged I four you... episodes yesterday and they end on a freaking cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to throw something at... <laughs> Well, I wasn't going to throw my iPad Pro because it's the brand new one, but still, <laughs> I was not happy. Um, for me, the season started slowly because it felt like they did way too much table setting, and we're going to 
we got to fight because we're enemies and because I want the Halo and you got it and blah, 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 blah. But I got to say, aside from the cliffhanger, the last two episodes were pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I was engaged. Um, I was pleasantly surprised that the scientist, uh, the female scientist, I thought they were leading up that she was going to be the big bad or the kid yeah. was going to go evil or something. Yeah. Because most shows would have done that. And obviously something's going to happen with him for season two. But oh, you mean the little uh, boy that he went through the portal? She actually ended up being an ally, aside from when she had her ulterior motive, but came clean almost immediately and, and said why. So that was a refreshing change from the trope. Um, the... Um, one thing that I thought was interesting is that episode 10 had so much backstory in those flashbacks that might have served the arc better at the beginning of the season, especially since they had the 10-episode arc plotted. Um, well, I think they but, thought that the big reveal with with Ariel, was it Ariel? Um, that that was going to be like, oh my god, I can't believe that he's not really an angel, that he's really a demon. And I was like... Oh, I the, thought that was telegraphed. I, I did too, and I felt yeah. like the second... Cause I suspected it when another Lilith, when Lilith was like, you can't go into the tomb, you can't Adrian. let him out. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, Adriel, but I'm talking about Lilith. When she starts going nuts and she's like, you can't let him out, he can't be released. And even though we knew she'd been affected by the demon realm, the way she was saying it to me, I was like, oh. I was like, oh, he's not what we think he is. Um... I, I'm only a, I'm a bit annoyed that Peter is he's behind on Warrior Nun, but when we were discussing it, he was like, "Oh, obviously the priest is the bad guy," and I was like, "What are you talking about?" He was like, "Well," the, and he's like going on about why the priest is the bad guy. I was like, "No, he's not." I was like, "He's uh, he's really the good guy, and he's this and that." And Peter's like, "Are you sure?" Because I feel like he he was like, "I feel yeah. like he's the bad guy," and now I'm gonna have to go back and tell him he was right, which is annoying. I hate when that happens. <laughs> Uh, but that... I didn't, go ahead. I, I didn't like that that he was the bad guy. It felt like one twist too many. I did too. I mean, to be fair, it, and because it, they that set it up. Makes all the, that basically makes all the guys, all the main guys, bad. <laughs> well, that's true too. But I mean, well, they did. Really, to be fair, because... they set it up though. I, because in the in the same at the at the same time, the um, the character who just became pope. We've been we've been primed to think of him as yeah the cardinal. We've been primed to think of him as like the big bad. Right. And um, it, while he clearly has some ethical issues to mm-hmm. to work out here, he there is like an end goal that that is positive. He's actually not uh, the worst character. He's I mean his methods are terrible, but his goals are are good. He did He's, kill he, Shannon though. True. No, that was. That oh, was it was Vincent. the priest. You're right. It was that the was priest. Father Vincent. Oh, that's yeah. Right. yeah, that that was the line that shocked me. I just gotta say, I heart Sister Beatrice. <laughs> 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 and is it just me, or do she and Ava kind of have a little vibe going on? Oh uh, yes, they definitely do. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But I was gonna say they did set up the priest guy for being the villain because, and I couldn't figure out when it happened. I couldn't figure out a logical reason why he would do it, which was he went to the scientist woman and told her where the shield was so that she could steal it from the church. I remember that. And I was like, why would he do that? And he said that he was doing it for X reason. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And I remember when he did it, 
it was completely illogical to me based on what I thought his goals were. And now I'm like, oh, okay. All right. (laughs) Because his goal was to open the portal. He wanted that portal to be opened. And so that's why he gave it to her so she could use it to open the portal. It had nothing to do with whatever he said his reasons were. Because based on what he said, he didn't get what he said he wanted. And so I was like, well, if you do that, that's not going to get what you want. That doesn't make any sense. And so I, um, I really, really was just like, what the heck? Anyway, but yes, they set it up so I can't even claim a last minute, like, oh, they changed their mind at the last minute and made this, and it doesn't make any sense. But I was like, nah, they, 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 that happened in like episode four or five. Yep. So they knew what they were doing, and they had planned it all along. And they did, you're right, they did the misdirect. They they make you think that the Cardinal's the one that's a bad guy. He's ambitious. He wants to be mm-hmm. Pope. Yeah. Uh, but he's not evil and working for a demon. <laughs> so. I'm glad that they didn't bring back Lilith evil, too. That she, she was basically, you know, just as annoying. And <laughs> she was basically everything she was before she had, you know, air quotes, died. Or wherever she, or went to the demon realm or wherever. Yeah. Amplified, but she could be reasoned with because I just thought that that would that would have been too tropey, right? So I mean, overall, I would say this show it had a little slow start, but it it definitely finished well. And like except you said, for the cliffhanger. Except, except you're right, that cliffhanger <laughs> at the end. But the thing that actually that I want to talk about real quick is that little line that they kept saying to each other, which was in this life or the next. Or the next. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> like every time they said that, I was like, oh, like I was like that wasn't be my motto. Like it was, it's it was so they did a really good job of making yeah. that feel moving. And I then when she who, said what, it, right? whichever character says "f it" in this life, that was the that was the cliffhanger. <laughs> That was, uh, uh, what's her name? Was um, that the black? Yeah, the Mary. Black Mary was Mary, like, awesome. screw that in this life. And then she dives in, and then that's the cliffhanger. And you're just like, <gasps> seriously. And, and so that, I like that they subverted something that I was actually getting a little teary-eyed about every time somebody said it. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And then they took that and made that the cliffhanger. And now I hate them a lot. And that show, I don't, <laughs> do we know if it's been renewed? I don't know if it's been renewed yet. Oh, it sure has been renewed. It, has, it, it yeah, was, it has it to was renewed. Which is a good thing because then that cliffhanger would be something you could really be angry about. <laughs> but we need to move on. We need to move on. I'd say this was definitely a thumbs up for me. <laughs> yeah. Two and Hail Marys for Warriors. Oh, nice. <laughs> All right, two next, hail shotgun Mary. Two shotgun Mary. That's what I'm talking about. That's right. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about Agents of Shield, and we have two episodes to discuss. But I actually don't remember the one from. Oh, I know. Why I don't remember. I didn't like it. The one, not the most recent one, but the one from last week. It was not my favorite, and mainly it's because the bad guys are terrible bad guys. And last week's episode was more focused on them, and it suffered because of that and because I had to pay attention to them I don't think the episode worked as well uh, and I just was like get these guys I like I like the idea of what they're doing and the themes that they're doing this season which is going through time and we're doing fun sticky things and you could tell the cast and the crew are just having a ball and I'm having a ball with them but why couldn't they cast a dude who could actually carry off being a bad guy 
Like the guy that they have, I don't even know his character's name. Nathaniel. Nathaniel. Yeah, he's terrible. He is not he's only not... a bad actor; he is a bad villain. On top of it, it's like, well, your your villain has to be, your villain has to be truly threatening and right. compelling. And he's not, and he's not. He's not any which of is those problematic because he's just you know he's just a, you know a scrawny pretty pretty white dude. He's not even pretty. I would be more forgiving oh, if he was pretty. pretty. Uh, he's, okay. I, that's the, that's the problem. I think I don't think he's a bad actor. I think he's horribly miscast. Um, because he's 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 too cuddly to actually be be threatened by. He doesn't give any of those vibes off. I think he'd be fine playing like somebody's nice sidekick or something yeah, like that. Yeah, somebody's little brother or something. Yeah, sure. yeah funny he, is he was one of the little agents of Shield or one of the mutants who who had a special power who ends up dying off. I mean, he'd be fine. But as the big threatening big bad, I just no, I I don't feel threatened by him at all. <laughs> okay. Come back and get your and get your dad or uncle with the real evil plan, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also, they, uh, they however they, they the, act... the dude playing young Bill Paxton as Garrett, he's pretty good at well, suggesting a young Bill Paxton. That was about yeah. to say. I believe him as a young Bill Paxton, but I also still don't believe him as a threat. Well, That's he's not thing. threatening because Bill Paxton probably wasn't threatening then. He has to grow to be the threatening Bill Yeah, yeah but <laughs> see, that's still the problem is because he's still in the camp of the villains, and I'm still supposed yeah. to believe that he's scary, and I'm like, no. And my other big big peeve is we got uh, Jiaying, who is an immortal and can't die, and somebody snaps her neck, and they're like, oh, well, she's dead. I was like, what are you... T-? Like, I didn't believe it for the longest time, mainly because earlier in the show... They said that that Whitehall removed all her organs, took out her heart, took out everything, took all her he, organs he literally, out. He literally pulled her to pieces. Right, and she <laughs> recovered. She recovered from that. Somebody snaps her neck, and they're like, oh, she's dead. I was like, are you kidding me? That's not possible. I know, that drove me crazy. And I that was, was like, weird. yeah, I was like, what do you mean? I was like, he should have had to have broken her neck, chopped her head off, set her on fire for me to believe <laughs> that she was dead. So I like the fact that her daughter, when they show her the next episode, is like, oh, she's not dead. She just needs some power. And I was like, I was thinking the same thing. Like when they snapped her neck, I was like, touch her. Touch her. Give her some energy. What are you doing? Why is nobody touching her? Like that was literally what I was freaking out about, that uh, she can heal herself. And so I was calling foul all over the place with that. I was like, have you guys watched this show? Like what? Anyway. Well, it was like the same thing with Enoch earlier. It's like, I mean, all they did was get rid of a power source for a robot. If they right. just replaced it with a new one, he should have been fine. Right. But they treated it like, you know, they, they wanted to make uh, a big, you know, dramatic exit Finale. for the character. And, and I so could forgive the Enoch just kind of shrugged and went, okay, fine. But then they did the same thing with Jaying. And, yeah. and had a character who's not supposed to be killed off easily, if at all, and, and had her or die by yet. the stupidest means. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's why I just was like, this is ridiculous. Sloppy. Yeah, Very. and so that really frustrated me last week's episode. This week's episode was better because it was mostly about Daisy, and I really liked the bonding between Mac and... Um, what is the guy? Yo-Yo? Name? Nope. Uh, guy oh, from the past. Um, uh, um, why am I blanking on his name? Oh, Daniel. Yes. Daniel Souza. 
Thank you. Sousa is in an instrument. Yes. I didn't, okay. even, I didn't even have to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, they're bonding, talking about Daisy. He's like, what are your intentions? He's like, I don't have any intentions. Well, you better get some intentions. Like, that was my favorite conversation. <laughs> uh, that was fantastic. They have finally, like, it's not that I didn't believe that Sousa and Daisy would make a good couple, but before now, I felt that, like, it hadn't built up enough for me. I need I needed more episodes, more time with the characters, and now I'm finally like, alright, I buy it now. Especially because people are giving them crap about it. So I, I, I'm on board now. I really like it. Although, what was crazy was that moment, I'm pretty sure this was in episode 11, when they're in space and we see all these ships are... We we see them targeting all these shield bases. Oh right, yeah, that's from space. It's like, uh, so. Well, I'm obviously, sure well, obviously, we're in the wrong timeline now because Daisy yeah. can't be born. Um, they've the, the, this timeline is totally screwed. So yeah, shield I've, has been destroyed. Shield so has been destroyed. You know they have to undo it. Correct. So now. It's and like, where the heck is Fitz? Come on, it's um, it's the season finale almost. I know he's been in one episode. That's ridiculous. Glad to see him back, though. I mean, I was, I was spending all this time going, "Where is he? Was he working on another show? What's going I'm on?" I'm sure that was probably what was going on. Yeah. Um, so Fitz is semi back in in um, Simmons's head, but now we got to find what happened to him in reality because he made it sound like he was sick. Something happens. He's sick. He thinks that he's going to die. And so he stays behind as something. Like, they've given us a mystery that we don't know the solution to, which I'm sure in the, in the last two episodes we're going to find out. But the main thing is they're going to reset the timeline. The timeline's mm-hmm. going to get reset because we're not in the main Marvel timeline right now. So, And we just have the two-hour finale left. Yes. Yep. I'm looking forward to see what happens. All right, let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk about uh, Lower Decks, or Star Trek Lower Decks, which is an animated series. Thank thank you. uh, (laughs) About uh, the officers who work in the Lower Decks of a ship that nobody cares about. A Uh, California-class starship, the Cerritos. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's a ridiculous... It's like... This is what happens in first contact. We never do first contact. We always do second contact, which is basically signing everybody's paperwork. Um, <laughs> Making sure the planet's name gets spelled right. Yeah, it's like stuff like that. I was like, that's pretty funny. And it's not laugh out loud hilarious, but it's, you know, chuckle worthy. And if you like the Star Trek universe, I think it works. I think they oversold it as a comedy. because, And I think that a lot of, a lot of hardcore fans... Well, face it, I've got a lot of hard, hardcore fan, Trek fanboy friends who just hate everything in the Kurtzman Star Trek universe. I mean, from the movies to all the all the CBS All Access TV shows. I kind of like it. I didn't love it. There I would agree. Things, I would there agree. are some things that make you smile. There are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of call-outs to, you know, it's, it's contemporary with, it's set post-nemesis. Oh, by the way, Livia, deep cut. The uniforms they're wearing, guess where they came from? Uh, they look like next gen to me. They're the uniforms from the Star Trek Generations toys that never 
were worn by the actors. They were a prototype. <laughs> uni- they were a prototype uniform for Star Trek Generations, and then the studios like, oh, we don't like the way they look. We're gonna just have them wear the Voyager type uniforms. Oh, and wow. um, but that's a deep cut. It's like whoa. But um, you know, it, it it's a fun, plucky crew, and we've got our, you know, we've got our our uh, uh, young black female ensign who's a bit of a. She's kind of a, a, She's a, a, rogue. a black female Kirk. Well, the thing is, you, you, yeah, she breaks her, on it. Yeah, she breaks rules all the time, and then instead of being promoted because she's awesome, she gets demoted because she's she, she dares she dares to break the rules. Yes, double and standard. Then you have you have the by the book ensign, who's voiced by Jack Quaid, who also plays. Uh, oh, that makes more way more sense he, now. Huey on the boys, right? I mean, and then you, and then we have the freshly arrived. Uh, Green Junior girl, medical officer. I forgot what yeah, the green girl, who's kind of our windows in to see what's going on. But and then finally, uh, we have uh, a uh, a young black officer who's just gotten a, a Vulcan cybernetic implant to try to suppress his emotion, and he has a first date which does not go well. <laughs> yes, it's it overly suppresses. But uh, what I was gonna say is, I actually thought I thought it was weird that she went to the captain goes to Quaid's characters like I need you to report to me if if this officer does anything out of line now I realize when she told me that the big twist is that she's her mom I was like oh which that I makes thought way was telegraphed at the end of the episode the, the mom calls the dad or the mom calls a, a black male officer on another starship and they start arguing about the, the, the daughter and then she's like she's your daughter too <laughs> and then he pretends like oh uh uh can't hear you. Breaking up. <laughs> but it was amiable. I mean, um, Jerry O'Connell plays the the executive officer number. One. I forget the character's name, but which is kind of fun because Jerry O'Connell in real life is married to Rebecca Romaine, who plays number, number one, one. Yes. on Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. But it was it was amiable, and that it doesn't really. It's not so overly broad that it violates, you know, the prime director, you know, hardcore Trekkers sensibilities. So I'm willing to give it more of a try. Um, and I, I like the that she got drunk and was running around with that bat lift. That was pretty funny. <laughs> that was funny. And it ends up chopping, you know, giving him a terrible flesh wound. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I thought, and I thought their reaction to both of that was great. So all, I mean, the humor works when it works. And it's kind of fun to hang out with these guys, but right now it's not the best show that you're going to see, but it's not the worst. It's it's fun. Yeah. Well, let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Candor. Candor? Oh, Condor. <laughs> Obviously, that was not something that was available in the show. No one was telling the truth. Everyone lies. Okay, so... We have to talk about, like, the last three episodes of Condor, and I got really frustrated in a couple of places, which is what I call not necessarily the... It's usually the villain that does this, where they come into the room, they've captured the good guy, and then they have to monologue. And I got really frustrated when Uncle Bob captures uh, the CIA guy, I can't think of his name, and he's got him in the bedroom... Yeah, Rule, that's his name. Get, gets him into the bedroom, and he has him at gunpoint, and then proceeds to talk to him for, like, the next ten minutes. And I was like, shoot him! And then you realize, okay, he's not going to shoot him. And I was like, well, 
I was like, well, what are we doing here? And then I was really disappointed in Uncle Bob. Uncle Bob gets no points. Um, and I know they tried to make it seem like our hero is just naive and doesn't understand how things were working. But I was like, no, he's trying to save millions of people's lives. That's what he's trying to do. So it was just that part was a little frustrating. And then I felt bad. Well, I felt like the black uh, detective, the Shando, Sandra, um, she should have realized that her boss was crooked the second that her tire was flat. Like, she stops mm-hmm. her from shooting a woman in the window, and they get back to the car, and they take off, and then they immediately get a flat tire, and they're like, how did she do that? I was like, uh, she didn't. Because <laughs> she was like, how did she manage to give me a flat tire? I was like, if she had known you guys were there, she would have killed you. She would not have given you a flat tire. Uh, so that made me immediately realize that the boss was crooked, because she's like, let's not do it this way, let's do it the right way. And then she doesn't proceed to call anyone to do this the right way. She's like, well, let's still keep it a secret. And I was like, okay, she's going to shoot you. And I didn't realize why the detective, who is technically a detective, didn't put that together. Uh, So I was a little frustrated by that not plot twist. Yeah, well, she's a field agent, actually, and she should know better because, I mean, she's she's dealing with uh, situations where her life is on the line constantly. Right. So she should be looking out for stuff like that. And I, I was actually disappointed in, in a number of ways because I assumed that she, her character was going to be, you know, going on, that she would survive to the end and she would, you know, be an ally of his. And, uh, you know, they certainly seemed to write her in that direction. And she was one of the few characters that I that really liked I felt her. Were, were trustworthy. Right. Yeah. So I, I really, I, it just seemed dr- from a dramatic perspective, a bad choice to kill her off. It's like all the other people, fine. But, but it seemed, you know, I, I just didn't particularly care. And it for, required her for her to be stupid. Yeah. That was the it, other thing. The thing. For her to be killed. It required her to be really dumb. And I don't mind if you kill a character who's good in a way that's surprising. You didn't see it coming. There's no way she could have seen it coming. But I saw it coming. I was like, wait, no. Who had access to your car and knew you were parked there? Like, come on. Oh, so bad. So that part, uh, and his ex-girlfriend and the other guy, they both got killed. I did expect... uh, the whistleblower dude to die. I knew he was he wasn't gonna make it. But I did think that his ex girlfriend might have made it out of there and we were wrong. Uh and that yeah, well, was especially when they killed her husband first, I went, Oh well she's free now. <laughs> I know <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Just get right back to business and then, you know, she dies in like well, the next yeah, two no. minutes. But I mean and they made it seem and they let you know that they still had chemistry, they still had feelings between the two of them. So I thought that's where they were going, and no. Um, yeah. I that those the second to last episode actually really disappointed me. The last episode was pretty good actually, um, because that's where all the action happens, and the Uncle Bob guy finally is like, "Yeah, I made a deal with the devil to save your life. There's nothing we could do," and he's like, "No, there really is something we can do," and he's like, "Okay, go for it." And he allows him to try to figure out a way to save all those people's lives. 
And I did appreciate that he did that. But I did really feel like once it was all over, and and he's like, I hope you understand why I did what I did. And I was like, nope, dude, we're done. Like I, <laughs> And I'm glad that he said the same thing. He was like, bye. Uh, so that was all. All of that really worked for me. Uh, the only thing, because I know, Allison, you've started season two. Like they yeah. finish the storyline. They finish the storyline of season one. Everything comes to a nice, neat conclusion, and you understand why everything happens. Everything works, and then at the very end, they let you know what season two is going to be about. And I was like, really, really? Ah, uh, like there's no stakes. Like the way they've set up season two at the end of one, I don't see how there's any stakes whatsoever. Yeah. Well, actually, even where they it seems to leave you off, that's not exactly what happens. Um, it's I I'm not even going to get into season two, except to say that it was a titanic disappointment. Um, but where the last episode was concerned, there I have two issues with it. You know, one is that beyond the point where everything resolves itself, it just keeps going, and and gives you all this other information about you know the aftermath that isn't necessary or that they could have wrapped up in in maybe a quarter of the time um the other thing is that the his ability to stop this plague from happening is entirely put in the hands of the female assassin right and not particularly trustworthy no i mean she's when did she become a hero and literally if she had not stepped in at the end they would have been screwed Exactly. They could not. They could not have accomplished anything, and you know it is entirely due to her. And I just I had a problem with that. It's like either he's he's a hero and he's effective and he can do he can accomplish uh, his goals, you know, himself, or or he's not. And and just throwing her in as kind of a Deus Ex Machina at the very end made me made me crazy it's like is that the only way you could figure out to resolve this after all that uh you know because well, at the end it basically kind of shows that he was naive like everything he did to try to stop this was super naive and none of it worked he just happened to luck out that this assassin is now annoyed enough to help them yeah and that's a big big you know <laughs> And, it had, and, and that had nothing to do with him. He had nothing to do with that action mm-hmm. whatsoever. So, yeah, I agree with you. I can see that. Um, and then her creepily stalking him later was just like, really? Get a life. You know? <laughs> uh, anyway, let's move on. Condor was good and bad. It had some good qualities. I enjoyed the ride while it was happening. But I'm not going to say they necessarily stuck that landing. Um, yeah. And don't bother with season two. <laughs> Don't repeat my mistake. I saw it, so you don't have to. <laughs> All right. Next up, we're going to talk about Brave New World, episodes five and six. And this was basically introducing Jack to the world. John. Jack, John. Whatever. John. Jack. John. John. <laughs> uh, to, the new, to New London and the world. And they start getting him. They've convinced him start medicating himself when he has moods and things like that. They're trying to get him incorporated into their society, which means orgies and all kinds of stuff like that. And I have to say... And party! And party, yes. I have to say, watching that was fairly boring after, like, the first party. 
You know what I'm saying? So I don't like. Yes, it was pretty. It was gorgeous looking, and I get it. Like after they show the first one, I understand what's happening. Great, sure. What I did appreciate, like the only thing that I was like holding on to in the story, was the leader of the community. What is her name? You said it was Mustafa Medusa. Mond. Mustafa. Mustafa. Mustafa Mond. Yes, her her story starts to take off in these episodes. So watching what's going on with her was way more interesting because you find out she's one of the progenitors of the society and she lived in the world before. And there was, uh, what was it, like 10 originators and everybody else is still asleep in these cryo chambers, including uh, Klaus Michelson. What is that dude's name? <laughs> I don't know he his will name. Forever be the actor's Klaus. name? No matter what he's, he's in, the he Epsilon. Epsilon he's, guy. He, he, yeah, he's the progenitor of the Epsilon. Line. Right. Yeah. So so finding out that his genes were used to make the Epsilons is really Joseph interesting. Morgan, by the way, is the actor's name. There you go. Just um, I still like Klaus Michelson better, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, so watching, finding out the backstory of how New London came to be and finding out that she's dying and what is she going to do and she set up this AI and her and the AI are at odds and and so the AI Indra. yeah Idra and Idra has now Indra. De- in, has decided that the solution to humanity is to get them all to commit suicide i was like what okay this is the whole i was like are we back to the machine taking over and destroying mankind again that's where it looks like this is going and I was like I don't know if that's that interesting but I really do like uh, getting that backstory because that's the inter- the only interesting thing that happened in the last couple episodes because watching Jack get high having sex with a room full John. of people whatever it was a J name <laughs> John Savage. <laughs> John the Savage. John the Savage. John the Savage, right. And what oh, was that the one with the fist fight where him and- Yes. Yes, where he gets Bernard to pop his rival. Right. And of course everybody's still attributed to, to John. Yeah. And he was like, but <laughs> I, I punched hilarious. him. And then they called and so then everybody walks around with black eyes and everybody started hitting each other. Uh so that was kinda interesting, but I have to say the the clean, uh, neutral world of New London is not that interesting with nothing happening in it. Well, that's the whole thing is John's yeah. introduction makes things start to happen. I thought it was kind of interesting, Lenina, basically, when she... Is this the episode where she has the uh, the dispute with Pitch? On the oh, I course? was like with Pitch. That was crazy. <laughs> I mean, she was just going for Oh, yeah, when they were playing racquetball, right. I mean, this this notion that she's realizing I don't have to medicate. It's okay to feel. Right. And I kind of like it, actually. So she's basically starting to go a little savage herself. It's fascinating. And then in episode six, where Bernard seems... I mean, uh, John starts regaling everybody with his story. And he's basically telling the same story over and over, over again. Over and people. over, yeah. But embellishing it greatly. And then Bernard seems to be jealous, except for it seems the two of them are working some kind of con. <laughs> well, because they both want to stay relevant. 
Yes, yeah. yes. And he is jealous of him. He's because the star of this, even when he punches a guy, who gets the credit for it? John. John does. Um, I mean, all he did was stand there. Uh, and so, yes, he is absolutely jealous, and he's especially jealous because, of course, uh, he has a thing for for Lenina. For, Lini, as well. for Lenina, and, yeah. For Lenina, and and she only has eyes for John. So yes, he he he's jealous and envious in in every way, but he also understands that the only relevancy and the only power and the only notoriety he has ever had is being... Is his connection to John. Exactly. It's it's being John's appendage, essentially. So, you know, that's... he's He at least understands that and, you know, up to this point, anyway, uh, isn't going to bite the hand that feeds him, uh, essentially. Right. Yeah. I, just need, I just need the story to pick up. Come on. Yeah. Come on. I think that it does. I mean, it does. face it, this would probably have been tight. The original, if I remember correctly, the 70s miniseries was six episodes, three two-hour movies, yeah. completely snoozeworthy. This probably, at nine episodes, will probably have worked, would have worked better at six. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, there's a lot of filler that they there, there, There's only so much orgy you need to have. Yeah, that's exactly... <laughs> I was just like, really? Like, what is happening? It's like, hey, we want to give those people paying for Peacock Premium their their forty four ninety nine a month's worth. <laughs> oh wow! All right, but I do oh, overall. I do like. It makes me want to. You know, the novel's not incredibly long. It's it's a breezy read, but it's interesting that uh, the choices they've made overall have been good ones, especially the tone. The fact that it doesn't take itself incredibly seriously. Yeah. That, that it's got this really sardonic sense of humor. So, um, but yeah, it could be shorter. <laughs> I mean, I, I have never in 21 years of teaching, well, actually, I did have to tell people that their pilots were too short. But usually, it's <laughs> like, you know, you've just got too little here. It's usually cut, 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 cut. Mm-hmm. So, Netflix bloat. I'm Peacock. <laughs> All right, let's move it's on. Spreading. Let's move on. I'd it's a say contagion. This was okay. It wasn't great. It was okay. I am going to keep watching. So Picks up. Yep. All right, next up, we're going to talk about the Umbrella Academy. And Yay. I, I fell victim to everyone else where I started it and couldn't stop. However, we're still trying to do our pacing and only talk about two episodes at a time so that we give enough time to really discuss what happens in the, in the episodes. instead of And don't run out of television. Well, that's true, too. Because <laughs> the fall season is not around the corner. <laughs> it really is not. I have no idea what we're going to do in the fall. Um... Deep dives on Lovecraft Country. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so let's start off with talking about the first episode, the premiere of season two of Umbrella Academy. And previously, uh, we know that Vanya basically destroyed the world in 2019. So number five sends everybody back in time to get them out of the way. And I'm assuming he was aiming for the 60s and he sort of got it right, except that he dumped each sibling at a different time over a period of like, a year and a half? Is it two years? Something About like three, actually. The first one is in 1960, and then it goes up to oh, 63. 63, right. Yeah. So, right. four years, technically. So he, yeah, so his aim was not perfect. 
and depending on which one of the siblings it was, some of them got a more raw deal than the other. Uh, and the first episode is really to see how each one of them got dropped off, and you get to see in 1960. Oh, and also we find out in 63 when five shows up, there's an apocalypse again. Apparently, the apocalypse followed them through time, uh, and so he gets Darn the, the bad luck. He gets sent there, and the first thing that happens is there are Russians with tanks coming down the way, and then there's nuclear bombs coming down, and his siblings are all trying to fight, and everybody gets blown up. But right before that happens, he gets handed a tape by, oh, God, what's his name? Oh, Cha-Cha. Oh, Hazel. Hazel. Cha-Cha's the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, Hazel. Yeah, so Hazel gives him some film that's supposed to give him a clue on whatever the apocalypse that is happening. And then he goes back. Though I think if you have time travel, why did he only go back like 10 days? Like, come on. Give yourself at least a couple of months to get the band back together. Well, and to I, I don't think his aim was all that great at this point. That's the problem. Right. So they, they do I talk st- about it. I still would have, once I realized I was only like, 10 days away from the apocalypse, I would have tried to jump back again. Because, I mean, he's a time traveler. Just try it again. Get further back. But whatever. So he gets back, realizes there's only like 10 days to the apocalypse now. So now he has to go find all his siblings and he has no idea where they are. And we as the audience get to see basically where their lives are now. Um, Because that's really what the first episode is about. Establishing where everybody ended up. And Tom, you want to? Yeah, I thought it was uh, it was a great beginning to to the new season, and I kind of wanted to watch more, but I had to catch up on Warrior Nun. Um, <laughs> but what's interesting is, you know, Luther Number One is basically working as a bodyguard slash cage fighter for Jack Ruby of all people. Uh, Vanya Number Seven was hit by a car by. Um, I, I hate to just call her a housewife, but that's basically what she is. And obviously... They, that lives they, on a farm. They are connecting <laughs> in ways that are not appropriate for that time period. And then um, <laughs> uh, the one... Uh, Diego is in an insane asylum, and Five comes <laughs> to visit him and doesn't let him out because he... He's not crazy, but he wants to assassinate. Uh, no, he wants to stop Oswald. the assassin. Oh, yeah, he wants to he assassinate. Wants to stop. He wants to. He wants to assassinate Oswald to yes. keep him from killing Kennedy, which would really f up the timeline. So Diego, so Five decides to let him. Yeah, I'm gonna let you stay in here. <laughs> and he's kind of bonding with uh, one of his fellow uh, patients. Who have I left? Oh, and Allison, aka Rumor is in the deep south uh, married to a black dude who dotes on her and evidently her powers are not working well no, or her, at all no her powers no, they work. are they're, oh, they she are. Just, she's just not using them because she says that every time she uses them bad things happen so she's decided she's never going to use her powers again right and when she first lands there it's remember in the first season she gets her throat cut by right, Vanya. she has no voice. And so she does lose her powers there, and she it's still gone when she arrives in, in the 1960s. So she goes for a time without being able to, to use her powers, and then gets kind of used to it. Right. 
Yeah. Well, she can't speak at all. That was really the issue. But when she uh, first arrived, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's her power. Right. She has to be able to speak to use her power. Um, and then the second episode, we just basically... Oh, and you forgot Klaus. Klaus oh, has Klaus. become... Klaus is doing his thing. <laughs> He's become this big-time guru. <laughs> he, and, and he basically starts a cult. Klaus is outlandishly. Early. Yeah. Yeah. Dresses fabulously. <laughs> and um, it's too funny because he ends up in jail at one point. Not for very long. And um, basically, as the as the episode ends, their 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 paths are starting to converge. Right. And Allison sees something. Oh, somebody's got something that Klaus has on his hands, written on his hand. Where'd you see, get that? Oh yeah, this guru dude. You're all right. <laughs> and so she, uh, yeah. Luther ends up tracking down Vanya, but she's got no memory, conveniently. No, so but uh, number know. five found uh, number one. Let Luther and tried to tell him, "Hey, we have a mission." And Luther was and like, Luther "Don't care." Yeah, it. he's like, "Don't care. Yeah. Don't want to hear oh, about oh. it." And the the big reveal is that they look at the footage that Hazel. What did they, I don't think they did that in the second episode. That yes, no, they, they did. did. In fact, they did. the second they episode at... is the second episode is called the Frankel footage. Oh, that's uh, why they... you remember that. <laughs> 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 Interesting that name. Flash the title. I went. Okay, I'm gonna remember. My name's that. in the episode, <laughs> but they, they scrutinize it, and then five rewinds it, and guess who's at the background of Dallas at the uh, at the grassy, the grassy knoll? knoll. But dear, dear old, old dad, dad with his umbrella. Yeah. So, um, who is it? Um, oh, um, Diego basically has. Uh, goes somewhere, I guess, where he shouldn't have been and gets his clock cleaned by Dad, including getting stabbed at the end, which is the cliffhanger. Bum, bum, bum. Mm-hmm. Because oh, yeah. Dad, well, that what I liked is, is his grown is... son that he hasn't adopted yet. I know. And he's like, of years. He, what, what I think is great is we, from season one, know that their dad is hundreds of years old, and they don't know that. Yeah, we know he's an alien, and they don't know that. That's true. We know he's an alien. And yeah, and we know he's hundreds of years old. And I was like, you guys went to the '60s, and he looks the exact same as he did raising you guys. And you don't think nobody's mm-hmm. like, that's weird. <laughs> oh, and the monkey was there too, right? Except that for was it, cute. That was yeah. it, baby. It attacks uh, the poor Diego. Yeah. No, it didn't attack Diego. No, it attacked five. It attacked five. Oh, sorry. Was that five? Yeah. Yeah, it bit five. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, but yeah, that was all of that was good. Uh, so that, basically, it was like crack. That was very much like, yes. oh my god, I need the next episode. Oh my god, I need the next episode. And I really, really tried to stop watching, and it didn't work until I got to like. There's a kind of a break point where I was like, okay, I can stop. Um, I watched it straight through. The sun was rising. <laughs> <laughs> you, I just you, I couldn't. Literally, I was still like, you pulled a I need sun. I need to see the end. I need to see the next one. Yeah. That's, that was a good binge show. It's definitely a very good binge show. And I'm trying... I might just rewatch the episodes so that I so they're fresh in my mind before the podcast, which is not a bad idea because I really enjoy it. The show's yeah. really... It's done a really good job for season two. I was afraid because season one was really good, but season two, because 
you don't need like you still need to know where everybody is and and stuff like that but you know all the characters now and so you don't have to spend a lot of time with that uh and speaking of i just want to mention that allison's husband on the show is from also from vampire diary not vampire diary yes. from the originals yusuf gatewood yeah he's, he's great a wonderful actor i was thrilled to see him yeah he is really good so he's one of those guys that I think was I think in the originals he was only supposed to be in like three episodes and then like three seasons later he's still on the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's great. So uh, that was a nice a surprise. Thing. Yeah, that was a nice surprise, and I really like him. So looking forward to more stuff with him in it. All right, so I'm gonna say we're saying thumbs up. Keep watching oh, the yeah. Umbrella Academy, and you know savor it. You don't have to binge it. You can take it take it an episode at a time. So you can or you can binge it and watch it again. <laughs> yes, or you could binge it and watch it again. All right. That works too. If you guys have any questions or comments, you can leave them at tvcampfire.gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or on Facebook. Listen to us on GetThePointRadio.com, Krypton Radio, Weedonopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.